Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Opening the Box of Knowledge. I'm here with uh, co-host and partner, brother Kachung. Hey. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing good. It's a beautiful day today. It is. It's sunshining in Juneau, believe it or not. Uh, no atmospheric rivers. No, and two days straight with sunshine. Let me ask you a question. Have you heard the term atmospheric river before? I never heard that term until... I moved here. Never. I think people just got to put a title or a label on everything because I grew up and that was just called the weather. And <laughs> it, it was Southeast where we have two seasons, raining and not raining. Right. It's it's heavy rain. That's what I guess that's the atmospheric river, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, here, here in Alaska, you know, you have your extremes and. You know, I've, I've been down south where you have four seasons. It's pretty cool. We we don't have that. Yeah. Hey, I'm pretty excited about this episode. We uh, sit down with Perseverance Theater's <sighs> board chair, Joe Bedard. And he, he has a really cool um, insights really about indigenizing the theater and yeah. raising up indigenous artists, right? I'm really excited about this conversation because, you know, there is some history that I, we have with Perseverance Theater, actually. Yeah. You know, it was speaking of raising up indigenous, it was in the beginning of our career, very beginning, before we've even like did any tours, our very first tour ever. So our ours is Bumyo? Yeah, Bumyoa. I'm sorry, oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Bumyoa, our very oh. first tour was actually performing here in Juneau at uh, Perseverance Theater. And uh, then we moved on over to Mount Edgecombe in Sitka. So it was actually a multi-city legit tour. And it was our very first one. And so I have this like this really strong memory of of perseverance, and I remember going there uh, to go watch uh, Devilfish, and going into that theater, I was like, it hit me like, bam! I remember this. It looked exactly the same. I think even the chairs are still the same. Dang, that's a, it was like 25, 26 years oh, yeah. later. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, they need to upgrade their chairs, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great I'm little... super excited about this conversation. I think uh, I think people are going to really gain a lot of insight from, from, uh, from Joe. Yeah, I think so, too. And it, it's crazy how... Um, I think for Alaska, Alaska Natives, and then just indigenous creators and people... Everybody, we all kind of run in the same orbits, right? Yeah. It's pretty crazy. I went to Mount Edgecombe High School. I graduated in 1994, so just missed you. Oh, you missed us by one year. Yeah. That's insane. What the heck? That's crazy. But it's crazy because that's how long you guys have been performing, and yeah. that that's awesome. So, oh, I'm excited. Uh, this is a great conversation. I'm excited to hear what people think of that. So, all right. Let's do this. All right. Scored do this. Well, we're here for another episode, a conversation for opening the box of knowledge. And joining us today is Joe Bedard. And Joe's the chair of Perseverance Theaters Board. Joe, how are you doing, man? Oh, I am doing well. Very busy. Um, getting, getting ready to move down to Shinkarani. Looking yeah. forward to it. <laughs> uh, I'm really, really excited about that. To have you and Vera here in Juno is going to be phenomenal. Uh, I've gotten to be good friends with you guys. So as, as I was telling you, I'm ready to hang out and, you know, nerd out and all the good things. So, yeah, as am I. I'm super excited about, about you guys moving moving down here. It's, uh, I mean, I feel like there's been this this movement of just amazing folks that have just come to Juno, I mean, to, to do amazing work and great work. So congratulations on that. Yeah, th there's kind of like this weird convergence on Juno right now, um, both internally and externally, right? Because, you know, on the art side and on for Clinkett and Haida, Simpson people, Sea Alaska Heritage Institute just opened up their arts campus. You're seeing uh, the Totem Trail happening. Right, yep. But, you know, Perseverance is a long history here in, in Juneau, right, Joe? And oh, it's a, it's a long and uh, uh, highly recognizable history. Um, it's pretty funny. When, when, when I found it, um, ne never knew anything about Perseverance Theater. 
But going down to New York or Los Angeles, uh, you tell any actor or producer in the theater, film and television, they know exactly who Perseverance Theater is. It's It's got a national uh, uh, name, uh, not only with... Uh, with the community, but with with uh, actors and creators and foundations and and uh, nonprofits, um, which was asking the question, why haven't I ever heard of it? Mm. And um, the answer was pretty stark. It was something that the then uh, artistic director was trying to change. It was, you know, the white theater. Uh, they would make uh, 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 overtures. In, in the most uh, Western way, to mm. put it mildly, <laughs> try to bring in different communities and um, trying the same thing over and over again and getting the same result. You know, it's, it's, it wasn't an, enough to put on a native play and then check the checkbox, get themselves a gold star. <laughs> it's, right. It doesn't work that way. And, um, and so they, uh, tried to flip the script and uh, looked inwardly. This was before I got on board um, and, uh, you know, asked around. And and, and I think uh, Art Roach uh, even approached uh, you um, and uh, Clinton Haida, the Heritage Center, and, and said, hey, there's these great things I could do for you. If you just pay for it, that'd be great. <laughs> and right. again, in the most Western way, a transactional uh, relationship and that, that's just not indigenous no um, you, you know and you're absolutely right you know art had come and, and art is a great guy i have nothing bad to say about art but no no um, that that's often how folks come at us right uh anytime they want kind of indigenous involvement they want us to right. pay for yeah. it yeah i remember that when i was at the heritage center and those conversations and, yeah. and it was yeah. it felt like that transactional but you know i was also thinking in in the lens of like you know this also could be an opportunity um for incubation of artists and playwrights and you know and and actors but but it had that feeling of like of like just that western um transactional you know yeah yeah it, it, and, it, and, and it was, it was picking it, on yeah, I'm sorry I was picking you know not to pick on art but every theater that um predominantly white theater down low 48 um that's the modus operandi. But to Art's credit, he was like, "This isn't working. What? Um, I, I need help." And that's where he approached me to join the board. And um, it was it was like, "Oh, oh yeah, this." Uh, having worked predominantly, aside from uh, my stint in the army in Native organizations, uh, both for profit and nonprofit. Um, it was uh, oh oh oh. Uh, it was. A lot of things that flew in the face of uh, equity, diversity, and inclusion, but it was the institution and the institution of not just a perseverance, but of American theater writ large, Western theater writ large. And to Art's credit, he uh, he was very open to to change, and I was very willing to uh, to do the hard work and really try to diversify the board of directors, try to get the organization to move. And it it was a hard move. It's <laughs> Take the Titanic hard over to starboard, and uh, that rudder's at 15 degrees, but the ship just keeps going forward one degree at a time. <laughs> it um, takes a while. Takes a while. Yeah. And uh, how long have you been on the board? Oh man, I'd like to say uh, since 2015. I'd have to look at my have to look at the wayback machine. <laughs> but it's it's been a day. And I, I got on the board before uh, they said to produce uh, our voices will be heard. Very, Vera's first play. Mm -hmm. And um, in the middle of producing that play, came down and said, hey, we have an opportunity to apply for institutional funding uh, from the Mellon Foundation. Perseverance in its 40-year history has never gotten an award from that, that institutional funder before. It's like, you know, shooting for the sun, not even the moon. And uh, art and the development director's uh, interest back then is, hey, we're probably not going to get this. It's a shot in the dark, but they good give good feedback on your grant request so we could really sharpen our teeth. Um, they asked if they could submit Vera for the playwright and resident uh, spot. And lo and behold, on the weight of Vera's uh, talent and just that one play, her first play that she wrote, she got the residency. 
And uh, six years later, uh, here we are. So uh, here I am. Uh, I just made a vice president of the board and later became the chair of the board, um, having to put in a whole bunch of governance to make sure that any business having to do with a resident playwright, I would recuse myself <laughs> and, and, and ask around to various other Native organizations, what kind of HR rules do you do that are anti-nepotism, keep everything on that straight now, because let's face it, you know, uh, President Peterson here probably has more than one relative working underneath him somewhere within the organization. We all do. I've I've worked with cousins in full nine yards, and it's uh, it's the nature of running a Native organization. But for a predominantly white organization like Perseverance, it was, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the sky is falling. (laughs) I I really think that's part of just kind of like decolonizing some of these landscapes, though. You know, when I came into my current role, that was one of the things people always came at me. You know, the problem there is, right? And I was like, oh, no, what's that? Hmm. You're going to tell me. And it's like, oh, well, all the nepotism and everybody's related and I was like, oh, no, I'm all for it because uh, we're all Clinkett and Haida here. And we're all we, related. We should all be related. Oh, well, the other thing I don't like is all the favoritism. Uh, oh, I disagree. I'm all for favoritism, too. Everybody should be treated like the favorite. Mm. You know, you, you, you got to get out of this mindset, right? And, <laughs> you know, we live in a world where if you work for the, the corporations or the tribes or the nonprofits, Oh, you know, your your last name is almost used against you now because, oh, they only got their job because of their who their relative was. And, you know, we are so good at this lateral violence. I could go on all day about that, yeah. but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited to see with Perseverance Theater uh, just that kind of change. And obviously that's something you've been, you know, trying to ignite and be, be that... Uh, spark for i you know i i knew of perseverance theater actually going all the way back to the nine early 90s uh i went to mount edgecombe and they had come to edgecombe and they were doing a play with a predominantly african-american cast and it was a fictional meeting between uh malcolm x and dr king Mm. and you know i was just like whoa i just literally read malcolm x's autobiography and you know, I was always really up on Dr. King. So it was like at this pivotal point in you know, where you're kind of developing yeah. those ideas and social knowledge and everything. I'm just, I'm just imagining like that. What would that meeting look like if it was Malcolm X, you know, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, you know, uh, Elizabeth Prachevich, these giants in 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 the world of, of civil rights? Yeah. Oh. But that's the that's the thing that I think where theater is so powerful is it can postulate what that is and then they can make it happen, right? You can you can imagine anything and put it on stage. But you know, to me, that being my first exposure to perseverance theater, I thought that's kind of what they were, was just like, you know, but then you realize no, it wasn't. That was just kind of a one and done. Hmm. There was that there's also another dimension that um I knew about in my um family. My sister is Irene Bedard, native actress, uh, played in uh, amazing Disney, Disney uh, uh, films from Squanto to Pocahontas and is now in uh, going to be in ABC's uh, uh, Alaska Daily. She's uh, got a few spots on that show being, uh, being so, shot right now as we speak. Um, I, I think you should tell us a little more about what this Alaska Daily is. Yeah, what's going on? Oh, oh man. It's a uh, Speaking of Disney, ABC, a Disney property, ABC uh, network television, um, Alaska Daily. It's a, uh, um, it's a new television show coming on here next month. I forget which day, but it'll be on. Um, I am told. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't watch uh, Grey's Anatomy, but it's supposed to come on right after Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> so, um, and it's starring Hilary Swank and Grace Dove. Uh, Grace Dove. Uh, whom I just met the Friday after our conversation uh, when when we uh, got coffee, flew back that uh, that day and hung out with Grace Dove and the crew. Uh, she's uh, indigenous from Canada, 
the uh, Shiwepum tribe, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, I'm sure, I, sure I'm not, but it's uh, Interior Canada, uh, adjacent to Haida and a uh, small strip of uh, Clinket land. Um, and their their dialect of language is uh, considered a Salish dialect, so something that might be recognizable to uh, Pacific Northwest uh, tribes. But uh, she's very familiar with uh, Clinket and Haida uh tribes um the canadian side <laughs> so um got to got to hang out with her that's the co-star of this television show and um like i say with uh been saying for many years at perseverance theater uh um, <clears throat> meetings i have to say full disclosure my wife's the resident playwright i will say i can flip the script now and say i like to brag on my wife now yeah do it she's, she's <laughs> a staff writer on this television show and uh has been uh, um, you know, working hard and and really leaving her mark onto uh, the the nature and the tenor of the show to make it more genuinely and accurately Alaskan, especially the Alaskan Native angle. And uh, and uh, Grace Dove has been really uh, um, appreciative of that because, to your point, favoritism. The indigenous version of favoritism is what Taika, what Kiki is doing, and and others. In that, yay, I've made it. Boom, I'm, I'm here, I have arrived. And then uh, in Western culture, go move to Beverly Hills and start complaining about taxes. No, <laughs> um, reach back to the community and start lifting people up in the community. You know, our, all communities have artists and talent that can't be ignored and they will make it in Western, in the Western world. It's, it's the, uh, uh, the taikas and... Uh, and, and those that make it that will reach back with favoritism to make sure that people that shouldn't be ignored are also lifted up. And I, I, I completely agree with you. You know, it's like we, we, we see that in so many spaces and places. You know, I, I, I'm excited because my brother is actually helping out with, with yes. the show. And, you know, that is what an opportunity for, you know, for a young Yupik man who is who has been trying to to really break through through this industry. You know, he's been living in LA for 15 years now. And you know, and he's had some really good great moments, but this is I feel like this is a moment um in in time where there's so many beautiful things happening in the media um as, as a whole and he's part of it. He's he's part of that wave. Well, um I I, I don't have to tell you folks that uh, we are seeing a renaissance of uh indigenous art um particularly in the performing arts film and television yeah. uh right now at this moment um but what i have learned in my journey at perseverance theater is uh western institutions by, by and large are not necessarily the safest place for artists particularly mm -hmm. artists of color and indigenous artists um i could give you a couple of examples uh just the stark example just look at Disney's Pocahontas. Mm. Um, looking back at it today, it didn't didn't age well. Um, at the time of making it, my sister has some some stories of um, the battles that they had to fight in the recording room. Uh, oh, I can't. With her and Russell Means, and they lost most of them. Um, and uh, I'm not surprised. And terms like you'll never work in this business again were thrown at them um, and uh, yada, yada, yada. But they, they, they did fight back. And her generation and, the, and uh, um, spilling into this uh, previous generation of actors and artists, indigenous actors and artists, had to fight those fights by themselves. The Zon McLarens, uh, Graham Greens, um, <clears throat> Irene Bedard's. Um, yeah. But uh, with the community growing larger and larger, that reach back is creating a, a tight knit community in film, television, stage uh, to be able to come together, um, use a Western term, unionize um, <laughs> to really uh, have that pushback. And now with with uh, these Hollywood executives who are beholden to Wall Street, seeing seeing dollar signs. Uh, that increases uh, the leverage to show and sh and tell our stories accurately with respect 
what and also protect our artists conversely there's a lot of work to be done whether you're a musician an artist an actor but there's another thing that hollywood and film te television and stage does it's what my sister calls uh it's it's instant type typecasting yeah yeah um you're you're native you're only going to get the native parts well my my sister was turned down for a sci-fi show to play an extraterrestrial because they're like, oh, there's no native uh, you know, parts in this in this show. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna withhold the names to protect the guilty, but suffice to say, it's it's you know not a safe place. There's also another aspect where the institutions are just blind to. Uh, EDNI logistics. Um, my sister was on a show recently. Again, I'll withhold the names to protect the guilty, right. because that that the threat of you'll never work in this business again um, is real. Yeah. Um, it was uh, uh, asked to speak entire scenes in Lakota. And my sister has done it before. Uh, she's done Lakota and Algonquin and, and really sits down and studies hard to try to speak the language as if she were a native speaker all her life, but just memorizing it phonetically to the T mm. uh, to, to the point where she got an Algonquin elder come up to her and say, wow, you speak it so well in Algonquin. And she was like, I don't know what you're saying. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but That's the awesome. script that she got on set and the rest of the actors on set were all in English. And they had like, a half an hour before they're going to go to set to memorize their lines. Um, and they're, they had to go call elders and get them on the cell phone, translating their lines as, a, as all of these actors are huddling around a cell phone to translate the lines and get, get all their, their notes in before they shoot up there. And they're struggling to remember their lines, this, that, the other thing. And, and, and they were able to pull it off. But uh, the, uh, the uh, production company, somebody in the production company, and I won't say who made the, all the actors on, on set were from different nations, from, right, right. from you know, Inupiaq to, to Apache to, you know, you name it. They were, it was, it was an ensemble great cast, but somebody made a comment, why don't these people know their own language? Mm. That's such a loaded racist comment that it was just beyond the pale. But know, I thought you were going to say something like, why don't you just say anything and yeah. we'll just translate it to like whatever, you know, whatever, to school up there, hygge, 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 hygge. you know, it's like. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it's that decolonization of the institution that, that myself uh, has set out to do. And Leslie Ishii, the artistic director at Perseverance Theater, has just been a, a great catalyst for for putting this work on overdrive to decolonizing the theater to where you do not have to check your identity, your culture, your heritage, your history, personal history at the door to come into the, uh, uh, be an artist at, at Perseverance Theater. And the other thing that's very Western is, and you'll, you'll get this in, in uh, um, film and television is, you should be honored to be working at Paramount. You should be honored to be working at Disney. You should be honored to be working, you know, you know, that that threat, you know, I can make sure you don't work in this town again. Um hey, I, I talked at length with uh, with Leslie about this. We are honored to accept these artists into the perseverance space. Welcome to Fikirani. Yeah. That is how how artists should be treated. So you, you know, and I think that's like uh Decolonizing really isn't uh, only about our indigenous cultures, but the, that whole mindset, right? That it's only the Western way and, and that transactional and, and this is how it is. And, you know, I think in the de decolonizing of it, hopefully we see equity coming more. Um, you know, representation matters. You hear that, we say it, but we mean it because that's exactly what's happening now. When our people get in the roles, not just in front of the camera, but behind the camera, mm. 
at the typewriter, you know, at the computer. On the music side uh, yeah, of it all. Yeah. yeah. You know, then you're going to see this true renaissance. And I think we're right there. Like you said earlier, Joe, we are in a renaissance. Uh, Kachung and I spoke to Bobby Wilson uh, recently. And Bobby is, you know, from the 1491s and they've kind of made that transition pretty much the whole team. The whole, yeah. Yeah. And he talked about that and how, you know, Sterling working with Taika, they're, they're lifting our folks up. They're in the production. They're like filming on location. Yeah. And the spaces where it's not normally. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 it's kind of almost overwhelming to me because we're seeing that happen and we're kind of infiltrating or taking over whatever you want to call it. But it's still like you can say that, oh, well, the natives are taking over and you look in like holiday Hollywood uh, uh, insider magazines and all this. But we're not, you no, know, we're, we're still there's so much more. It, it's yeah. minuscule. But the cool part is. They're not, we might not be taking over yet, but the ones that are really starting to break through now are hitting the highest peaks, you know, and that's pretty fantastic when they're, you know, being up for all these awards. I think we need to be winning them. But, you know, I, I'm going to go back to Prey, which is the um, Predator prequel movie. And I think that was finally seeing it honored because, again, you know, they really worked with the Comanche folks on the language. Yeah. They they honored that in a, in a really good way and had this authentic um, transparency that came through. The best part about it is when those things hit big, all these Hollywood types, any any business, and they see dollars, right? Yeah, and it was the biggest like opening they've ever had. Yeah, Hulu. Hulu's biggest, right? So you're going to start seeing like, hey, guess what? Authenticity and representation translate to profit. Dollars and cents. And that's really when you're going to start seeing the breakthrough. My fear is then they just start reaching out to anybody. And, and you know, not all of our people necessarily are in a position to uplift or, or whatever. I, I want to see people like Vera and, and others who really reach back and lift others up and want that authenticity and can if they don't know it they can reach out you know i had vera reaching out to me and like hey we're, we're going to be talking about this issue and do you know people in this era and can you mm -hmm. connect me and you know i hope i was able to help her out um but the fact that you had somebody there actually asking and not wanting just to take a byline from a newspaper on that topic and, and think you're an expert on it no they're they're really gonna delve deep so while it's a fictional tv show they're covering real stuff yeah and bringing uh i think what is gonna <clears throat> not just help our people in the arts and things but when you talk about these issues that really have long gone uh, under the radar and i'll just say missing and murdered indigenous people you know uh, oh. it, it needs a true spotlight on it if you're going to end it. I think if you're going to talk about domestic violence and uh, addiction recovery, all these things that they can use as tropes, well, won't be tropes when they're authentic and brought from that true lens of lived experience or, you know, and the <laughs> things that I think you can do through the arts. And Joe, that's why... You know, going back to when I first start started to get to know you guys, you know, our voices will be heard. <laughs> that was lived experience. It hit in the heart. I had never seen that representation before. No. Yeah. I left there. One, having to go straight to my counselor, basically, <laughs> you know, um, but, oh, man, it was so powerful. And we've got to both shine the spotlight on these issues but do it in an authentic way that doesn't continue to put us down yeah. i was so excited like when when i first moved to to uh to juno we this is when devilfish was about to come out and and we you know i had this program um where i was able to to bring uh all the seventh graders in the entire juno <laughs> school district to to the show 
We had this, I remember that. Generous, we had a really amazing, generous grant from uh, from a national um, uh, foundation, and which supported it. And and so it was for me. It was like and that's what Leslie was coming on, and she was like, you know, this. It was so powerful. She was like, this is what we need to do. Like we need to. This needs to be our coming out every time. Like have something powerful. Have something place based and indigenous. And, and, and stories that really relate to the kids that were watching them. And so, and th- for me, hearing that from, from her, uh, you know, it was, it was such a breath of fresh air to see that honor that she had for that. I mean, so I mean, what's happening next at Perseverance? I mean. Well, I think um, there's a, a f- Another dimensional thing of the work that we do at Perseverance Theater being so important is creating networks for individual artists. Uh, I spoke about some of the difficulties uh, that my sister has had and and just touching the tip of the iceberg, some of the systemic racism that she has encountered. That's not gone. It's still under the surface that pervasive throughout the film, television, and even the stage industry. Um, but uh, Building that network as with an institution as the nucleus of that network that promotes openness, uh, equity, diversity, inclusion, and justice. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to call it Jedi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> but creating that, that network has allowed for Fira to call back to to folks on this on this panel here as well as others when they run into well roadblocks problems uh racism they they'll have a support network versus having to do with deal with it quietly like the previous generations of artists who are true pioneers that it's just props to them for having navigated that by themselves by and large and and uh, um and those folks are also have been supporting this next generation because of well indigenous favoritism as <laughs> um that that reach back culture just is pervasive through indigenous peoples and it's uh, um it's not from this this western standpoint of conflict of interest with with, is what is synonymous with uh, uh, favoritism in, in Western culture. It is indigenous cultures to lift your people and everyone else and your community up with uh, using the uh, strength and energy that you have earned and, and uh, learned yourself, and knowing that that's how that's how it's done and how it should be done in a sustainable society versus a conquistador Western style thought. Um, Vera told me some stories of, uh, of uh, uh, folks that she's now getting to know in New York. They're just blown away by that thought that, you know, we're not just here for paycheck and looking to see what I could do to get to that next level of paycheck and sometimes when that means, who can I stomp out to get to that next level? Uh, very New York, LA cutthroat environment to where, uh, no, you know, Vera and her mentor, Larissa Fasthorse, have been pulling, doing a, a, a pull, push and a pull dance and, and lifting them, both of them up. I love which, that she's working with Larissa. Larissa, I mean, she's amazing. You you know what I hear hear you saying, Joe, that comes loud and clear to me. And what I what I love about it is it's our tribal values. You know, it's hold each other up. And now that you have folks breaking through, you know, Vera is pretty phenomenal. I mean, I'm just uh, I geek out over her work and some of my favorite times. And actually, one of the impetuses of me wanting to do this podcast started with conversations with you and Vera. I have the most joy and fun when we're together and just, you know, we geek out, we get it, we understand each other. um, And we can talk about these things, right? 
But we want to hold each other up. And I think as you see what Vera's done, she works with people. She was really uh, instrumental in the Molly of Denali writing. And I know she was just dropping names left and right to that production. Molly of Denali has so many of our amazing people that she's worked with that are now credited writers on that show oh, and it's huge you know the list is huge it's yeah. so big and it's yeah. so weird how many of them i know from either like rochelle adams who i went to high school with you know and she's a phenomenal language warrior in the interior to like here in our areas hune lance yeah. twitchell frank katas joe yates i, I know i'm yeah, gonna Anna leave hoover yeah even right. Aussie worked on it yeah. yeah well and you know and then bumio you know with the soundtrack yeah, yeah you, know. you know and i know princess and you know all of those folks there on that side they um you just have such an amazing network and i i see that building that network you talk about and it to me all I hear over and over and over when you talk about it is it's our tribal values. Like Vera lives by our tribal values and she's holding up her contemporaries the people she knows and they're doing it all for each other, right? They're crossing over. Hune now has a, a really amazing podcast called The Tongue Unbroken. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. Hune and I go back many years, really great friends. You know, he's he's one of the spearheads, you know, in the language revitalization efforts. And, you know, I listened to his podcast and he interviewed folks from uh, Prey, you know, that were the linguist, linguistic, linguistic folks, <laughs> you know. But it, it always comes back that, to that for me. And if you tune into Opening the Box of Knowledge and you stay with us, you're going to hear me say this a lot about holding each other up. Right. And it's phenomenal. And, you know, it's funny when you start seeing these um, folks kind of keep percolating to the top. You know, the, this guy sitting next to me, we're talking about Molly of Denali. And he's like, what do you think of the music? And I was like, <laughs> um, and then as soon as he said that, I, I had no idea, but I could literally then hear bum meow. And yeah, then you heard it. Yeah. yeah, I was like, of course you guys did. But that's, I mean, really, I mean, the, the epitome of us lifting each other up. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're doing here, me and you, sitting next to each other in front of this yeah. microphone, talking with folks. We're here, not only just to <coughs> uplift others, but uplift each other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, the, but, um, one of the most key things that I see going on of lifting each other up, you know, I, I'm, I'm a city native. I was born and raised here in Anchorage, and uh, that caused a whole dimension of uh, issues for me, having uh, my mother uh, boarding school survivor from the 1950s and 60s. It was a um, very violent boarding school experience that she suffered from age five until she left at age 18. Um, and uh, so she, uh, <clears throat> uh, she died of alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And um, childhood wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't uh, an easy time for any for myself or any of my siblings. But looking back, she was trying to protect us all from from uh, uh, from the white people, white folks, and she tried to jettison out as much of Inupiaq Yupik culture. She was fifty percent Inupiaq, fifty percent. Uh, uh, you pick. So I have a lot of cousins. Yeah. <laughs> Just, but anyway, uh, she did not, she spoke her uh, Anupiak fluently. She did not teach it to us to protect us. Uh, we were not allowed to wear any regalia or anything that looked native to protect us. Uh, and growing up here um, in the <clears throat> 70s and 80s, we saw pervasive racism in uh in the school system so all that to say is seeing representation for me was earth shattering being a city native and those that were severed from their culture their identity this is so damaging and i feel personally that it is you know, uh, a major leading factor of our suicide epidemic. Uh, 
just not knowing who you are, not knowing your ancestral strength. Um, but there's one thing why well, I think this is wonderful here, tribal values that my mother um, still let fly because it was in the protection of our home was ever since I was that age, we were all sat down at the table when Willie Hensley would come over, when Emil Nadi would come over, when and my father and my mother would talk business. Yeah. Business of the people. What are we going to do next? The um, <clears throat> native corporations were brand new back in the 70s. And and uh, I remember running around in the, the dining room table with a young Priscilla Hensley. And <laughs> But we were there in council just with all uh, amongst the elders and the decision makers because it was all of us and they had their eye on why they're doing this hard work and uh, <clears throat> western culture the children aren't in council the children aren't there at the table to learn at the feet of the master and then the masters and those that council see in full view why the work that we do is so important sitting right there next to you, Steve. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I take my kiddos with me as much as I can when I'm, when I'm traveling around, when I'm, when I'm, you know, doing performances, workshopping with communities, um, you know, ever since, even with my eldest daughter, you know, with Anouk, you know, taking these children. Cause it's, I think it's important because it's the, the, what they gain from that is huge. It's, an, it's, you know, it's what we always have done as indigenous people, you know, this intergenerational, you know, transference of knowledge. And I have the same upbringing as you, like sitting down with, and, and with Willie <laughs> at that table and, as well, because he came to my home area in Bethel um, quite a bit as well. And so, but it was definitely an, an upbringing that I was raised with and that I think is so important for our children. So I do the same thing with my kiddos. He's referencing my my daughter, uh, Ula. <laughs> Who needs a hand getting pizza, right? Yeah, I'll skip pizza. The indigenous way of being is a sustainable way of being. And in today's uh, environment of climate change, of, of uh, political violence looming on the horizon, that having a safe place of showing representation of what could be, what is, and how it could be through the lens of an artist on stage, in music, in sculpture, is is so important for not only our culture, but for any culture. And ours is a culture that has suffered so much under nation-state oppression, not just from the United States, but from the Canadian government, uh, from the French government, United States, England, nation state level resources have been expended to extinguish and erase our cultures. We know what erasure looks like. And with contemporary contemporary news of book banning, um, attacks on artists as being an affront on the political front. Um, we've seen that song and dance before and mm -hmm. we can offer our solutions and our voice to, uh, to counter that narrative and to uh, um, really uh, address the contemporaneous problems of the day. And um, the Western notion of compartmentalizing science, compartmentalizing uh, the written word from engineering, compartmentalizing children away from adult uh, work, compartmentalizing out uh, the arts and the sciences. Whereas in traditional time, you know, 2000 years ago, you're gonna make a spoon it's going to be a work of art. It's going to be a tool. And it could also have a story on it that's a political statement. Uh, that the uh, reintegration of, of the human condition, I think, is, is uh, uh, what Indigenous peoples from around the world can offer this world today. Beautiful. That, that really speaks to me. Um, you know, I, I give a lot of speeches and, and one of the things I talk about is like unity and working together, right? Because our culture isn't one thing. It isn't the um, politics. It's not the art. It's not the hunting and fishing. It's all of it. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, it's wholesome. It's all the way around. You know, I always use, uh, and I, I'll probably butcher his name, but it's uh, Tecumseh, Tecumseh mm -hmm. chief who said, you know, 
take one stick, you break it, you bundle them together, you can't break it, right? And to me, that's what is possible when we work together, we bind together, we're unbreakable. And it's everything. It's the art, it's the politics, language. Every piece is important. And when we put them together in that bundle of who we are, we're unbreakable. You know, and I think that's what we we have a responsibility to do that. You you guys both talk about like Willie Hensley, um, you know, with great reverence as you should. I I talk about the folks that uh, were that for me, and I grew up the same way. My mom was on council and served on so many boards. You know, when I was little, go to meetings, and you know, Ula uh, Steve's daughter Kachung's daughter is sitting here with us, and that's uh, so appropriate. Like. That's the way it should be. Right. You know, she's going to hear these conversations. She's going to learn from these like we all do. And we think they're not listening. But oh, they are. They're always listening. They are always listening, yeah. you know. And I, I remember those conversations as a kid and, you know, getting to meet, like in our region, some of the big leaders like Ethel Lund, who was a pioneer in Indian Health Service and, and, uh, sovereignty ed thomas who's my predecessor in in my job folks you know like uh byron malott and, mm-hmm. and um albert kukash clarence jackson mabel pike yeah in your region yeah, yeah. um dr soboloff you know again and you use words i, I heard you say like people when people don't know who they are you know, Dr. Soboloff, I quote to him all the time, the late, great Dr. Soboloff said, when we know who we are, we don't hurt ourselves. And to me, you know, he didn't translate that. But to me, what that meant was knowing our culture, knowing our identity, yeah. you know, being in that. And and that's really what was trying to, you know, you go back to the boarding schools and, you know, kill the Indian, save the man mentality was really about separating us from our families, separating us from our homelands, and and really trying to make us this Western man or woman. Right. You know, I wasn't part of the culture, your culture, but, you know, it really has so many aspects of it was very influential on me and made some really sure. amazing um, impacts, you know, watching like um, David Katzik and, mm-hmm. and Paul Marx. King of State. Yeah, yeah King of State. When they're when they would talk as eagle and raven and creating this balance yeah. and having that importance of having that balance and uplifting each other, um, for me it was hugely impactful. Yeah. You know, me being a Yupik man yeah. from you know Southwest Alaska. Well, we recently got to sit down with uh, Mary Patola, who's our new congressman for Alaska. Yay. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and you Huge. know. It's our culture that permeates, I think, you know, she made the rationalization of why there needs to be a two-party system, Republicans and Democrats, because it's like our Clinkett and Haida culture where there's an eagle raven right. and, it, and it brings balance. balance. And I think, you know, not to say we're better than anybody, but I think when you live from a cultural place, when you have tribal values, these values that are inherent in us that we're raised with, it gives you a different perspective. Yeah. That you was know? that was one of my favorite moments of that conversation is yeah. when she brought that up. I was like, that is I you know, I hadn't thought of it that way as you know, this you know, Democrat Republic. Yeah. Republican, you know, as as Eagle Raven, not just balance, but also uplifting mm-hmm. when there's when there needs to be. Well, you know, politics, especially, you know, American politics right now, it just seems so ugly that I think if you can put this indigenous lens and perspective in there we can help restore some balance to things and you know going back to this conversation with joe representation matters you know um so many folks are able to express these things we're talking about through their art through mm-hmm. spoken word through plays through music, music yep. you know so i i really am drawn to that because it's what i like and right? it's all storytelling Yes, yeah. which which is who we are. Yep. And it's another dimension to art. It's uh, healing. Yes. Uh, not only for the individual, but for culture. Um, well, and my, when I saw Vera's first play at Perseverance Theater, it, it spoke to child abuse, right? 
And it was healing. It was hard. It hurt. Um, It hurt me because, you know, something lived experience. Yeah. But it was uplifting, too. Yeah. There was something you said, Joe, earlier that really resonated with me when we were talking about, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, when you said justice, you know, as well, because there's that cultural justice that Mm -hmm. that I think is not spoken of often at all, because there's, you know, there's so many of our cultures, we're on the cusp and at the very brink of losing so much that this there needs to be a cultural justice. And I think we're seeing a little bit of a little bit of that now, because the very thing that was, you know, forbidden and banned, those were very much the essential things that would allow our people to heal and, you know, to heal ourselves and communities to heal themselves. In, in my packing, I unearthed a uh, set piece made by Abel Ryan, uh, a great uh, artist. Is, is that uh, the drum right behind you? Is that yeah, the- that's his drum as well. Yeah, <laughs> right there. That. Um, it is the uh, Devilfish mask from the play Devilfish. And uh, he was carving this mask uh, like he does for his regular vocation to make a living and, and, and sell his art to. Uh, um, you know, sell the tourists, sell the Amazing whatnot. So forth. Artist, yeah. um, and uh, so he he grabbed a piece and he painted a devil fish on it, and uh-huh. it got it got uh, uh, was a set piece and was worn by the devil fish actor. That is beautiful. Um, and there's a, a dimension of justice and res- restoration that was put in here, in that he picked this particular carving he he was already making and and. He uh, realized, and it was very moving for him, that he had to drill practical eye holes for the first time. So it can be worn, worn. performed in as it was meant to be. And one of the reasons uh, to to restore indigenous performing arts, because today, all too often, these are hung up on walls. And so the eyes are filled in to be hung up on walls and not worn and performed in. Wow. This was performed in. So that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Abel. Uh, you know, Abel's really a, a great guy. He he's a, a talented artist and he he does a lot of stuff. I see um, you know, even an Ock Rock or the music festival. Yeah. He he was involved in that. He's always supporting you know, and it's great to lift up folks like him and bring some attention to the artist too, right? And I, I see that happening a lot through what your your vision at Perseverance and working with Leslie, and then of course the artists and the writers, seeing us uh, give them that spotlight. Because when Vera did Devilfish, she really blew up, made sure that like even in the marketing and things like that, that she kind of really put that spotlight on them. And I, I think that's really admirable, you know, and, uh, you know, again, you don't know how long this Renaissance is going to be. Hopefully it goes mm-hmm. on forever, but, you know, let's lift each other up, blow each other up while we can. Um, there's so many folks who uh, go unnoticed that. Yeah. I, I, I don't think there's any stopping it now. No, I hope not. I I'm, when you can just tune into like reservation dogs, you know, and, and you see that and it makes me laugh. I mean, for so long, we had to hang on to smoke signals. It's like <laughs> one of the only things, which, of course, your sister is in. And I, I, I'm going to tell you now, I've, I've been around Irene quite a few times now, and she's such a beautiful spirit. But I got to tell you, I was so nervous to be around her because I think she might have been like one of my first like real crushes. Dude. I drove all the way from Anchorage to Fairbanks because I knew she was doing a a, a, um, a talk at the university with the Native Student Services there or Rural Student Services. I drove all the way from Anchorage through a through a snowstorm to get there. That's how much I mean that meant to me seeing someone on the screen. That's our people. Yeah, I mean I. It was so important for me. And it was not just me. It was, there was a group of us. We had a car full of people that came to go listen to her speak. Yeah, she's uh, really amazing. I don't even actually remember what the whole theme was. Vera was doing something at our hall and she had Irene with her and it was just the coolest conversation. And that's when I really got to meet 
Irene as the person and not just somebody you saw mm -hmm. and, you know, thought, thought highly of. But to hear like her and Vera talk was, was uh, kind of transformative, right? Because they're so insightful, they're so intelligent, and they're all about that lifting each other up thing, you know, that's so important to us. That anytime I see that, I'm drawn to it and I want to celebrate it and I want to celebrate the people doing it because too many people just are so self-centered that, you know, even if a native makes it through, you know, they are probably so focused on themselves to see this whole generation now reach back, holding each other up, <laughs> you know, I mean, we just in the last couple of years saw West duty really celebrated by the film industry and the Oscars. Finally. And how long's that guy been around? He's, you know, he's the OG. He's the OG. <laughs> you know, him, Grand Green. Green. You brought up Grand Green earlier. Yeah. These guys, they're the OGs. Yeah, yeah. you it's know, about time. It's so about time. And you know, uh, being you know, Clinkett and Haida and Simpson. You know, Wes Studi went on the red carpet in a Dorothy Grant tuxedo. And Dorothy Grant is a very well-known fashion designer, Haida. You know, and it's great. Like, even you're seeing, like, the um, reservation dogs, all these, you know, representation. They're wearing uh, all this beaded work from artists all around. Right. One of our own. One of, yeah, uh, one of our own. Yeah, Jill Costine, yeah. Meserve you know her work but others too right and it's pretty cool i was watching andrew and oh gosh amber mid thunder we're always going to get her name wrong i'm sorry amber um we love you we love you <laughs> um you know she was wearing huckleberry woman uh earrings in a shoot and it blew up huckleberry woman yeah. so you know like recognizing abel and people who do these things they should blow up along with that, right? Yeah, thank you for recognizing him. But yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, to go along with the whole theme of uplifting, you know, as we're wrapping up this conversation, like, I mean, I we're, we got something coming up at Perseverance. We have Frank Katas's play. I mean, let's yeah, tell us it's about coming that. up. Oh, yeah, Frank Katas's play. It's uh, it's uh, in in pre production right now, rehearsal and. And they're building it out. Uh, today is part of the rehearsal process. The whole cast went out berry picking. Oh, beautiful. That's to get themselves centered on the land. What a way to bond. And, well, uh, and he's got some great folks in that, that, you know, I want to talk to Frank Tess. I, I don't know him very well. I know, I know him, but I'd love to sit down and talk to him I, and Aaron Tripp. And, I, I think I have a little bit of pull there and some favors to call in with Frank. I mean, he, I, he did call in a favor when he first did the reading for this play. That's actually going to be play. I, I, it was the first time I ever read for a play. He called up. He was like, hey. Kachung, man, uh, my my guy who was going to read this part, it just backed out on me. Can you do this? And oh. I, was, <laughs> I was like, are you serious? You know, I had never been in theater, never read for a play. And I just kind of jumped in cold and it was it was awesome. So I'm looking forward to being there. So I think I got a little pull. Yeah, I'll, make I'll it make it happen. You know, <laughs> I want to just have these conversations because Joe, you, th this has been a really fantastic conversation oh, as I knew it would be because um, you're so thoughtful and about all everything you do and uh, and that you're a part of. I know you wouldn't be a part of it if you couldn't be making change, you know, um, just a fan of you. And I know you're busy and packing. But, you know, I want to thank you so much for joining us today because this is such an important conversation. I want to have more conversations yeah. with you. So I hope you're going to yeah. come back and, and, and join us. Well, maybe next time we could have a beer around. So. Oh, that was, <laughs> Let's have you too on for sure. Oh, I would love to. Yes, absolutely. But uh, right, Well, thank you. And uh, thank you. It's been an honor. And uh, keep up the good work. I, I love the idea of this podcast. Awesome. Well, we look forward to what Perseverance Theater is doing next. Uh, I'm here for it. I'm a big fan. You know, indigenizing it the way you folks are, are doing is phenomenal. And, you know, I mean, you know, hashtag representation matters, right? I, Absolutely. So. All right, my friend, you be well.
Yeah, you too. And, and, and thank you all for what you do. Okay. We are the job. Kachung, I think that was a pretty cool uh, interview with Joe and, and talking about the industry and everything. And you, you're kind of tied in and mixed in with that. I know. It was so interesting to just listen to him speak and like all the different kind of webs, how we all just connect. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, it's one of those, you know, you think about it, you know it until you just start really saying it out loud and speaking it. It's like the reality of it just kind of sets in, you know. Um, very, very interesting conversation. Absolutely loved it. I loved how he brought, you know, we're uplifting everybody. And even, um, you know, when he brought out the mask, with, yeah. you know, it's just the seeing seeing that mask of, of Abel Ryan's and then looking at the screen. We, we, we have the opportunity to be able to see him face to face. You all don't have that opportunity. We'll share as many pictures as we can. But to see that mask and the drum that Abel made that were used in the performance, to me, like that's so powerful. I think that's the cool thing about theater, too, is you were able to talk about that. And, you know, I think what Perseverance Theater is doing right now, where they're just really trying to indigenize and lift up indigenous voices and creators, it was kind of stark too, because Joe, you know, is very intimately involved in this world, not just as the board chair, but his sisters in the industry, mm-hmm. his wife, his in the industry. and you know, cousins we, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And what's happening right now is, as he said, is this renaissance. Yeah, and so many folks are kind of breaking through and lifting each other up. But that hasn't been the story for everybody. And he shared that a little bit about his sister, Irene Bedard, right? Where it was like kind of conform or you're kind of black. Never going to work in this industry again. Yeah. What a, what an ugly thing that is. But what what indigenous actors and actors or musicians, all everyone had to go through these types of things. Yeah. And it's not over, I'm sure. But I think as you see them kind of breaking the ceiling, those who kind of paved the way, the Irene Bedards, the West Studies, and the, you know, the Graham Greens, mm. uh, man, let's celebrate them and, and see this uh, new generation really lift each other up, I think. And, yeah. Renaissance. Uh, and he seems like a Renaissance Renaissance kind of man. Huh? Oh, Just yeah. the way he spoke, <laughs> Joe, <laughs> the way he looks. <laughs> Joe's, a, Joe's an awesome guy. He, I mean, he's a natural storyteller himself, I yeah, think. That was awesome. You know, he speaks with his hands. He, you know, he's very um, literal in things. It, it's really good. So I think everybody's going to get something out of this conversation. Again, uh, Joe's a really great interviewee, uh, conversationalist, I should say. And, you know, he's somebody I think people are going to enjoy and, and have some insights there. So, you know, let us know how you enjoyed the episode. We're always open to uh, critiques. And, Absolutely. Yes. Feedback. Also, don't forget, uh, we're on iTunes and Spotify. Make sure you rate us and and make sure give us some of those reviews. We really appreciate that. And thank our sponsors for sure. Oh man. Our, yes. Our sponsors. We have awesome sponsors. Uh, of course we have the Cedar box there in Petersburg, Alaska, one of the greatest places to get uh, native art and to, um, you know, really, I think support artists throughout Alaska. They, they focus on indigenous artists and really have some great, great uh variety in that mm. and then uh Ha'ani adventures which is a local tourism company there in petersburg as well and they really work to give you an, a, a true authentic experience in petersburg they do walking tours and you know petersburg's proudly known as little norway but as we know with all of our communities here in alaska uh, our indigenous communities have existed since time uh, and memorial, and they're going to give you a little bit of that history and that perspective and really showcase uh, Petersburg. So make sure you support those uh, sponsors. And then this week we have a new sponsor. Yeah, our newest sponsor. Yeah, who's I that? I want to thank them. I want to thank uh, my, my partners in Bumiwa. Uh, for uh, supporting our Box of Knowledge and our, uh, opening the Box of Knowledge. We definitely, we are a group of folks that, are, that have been in this industry for a long time. And we know we wouldn't be here without the support of 
of everyone that has been been out there for you know listening to our music and you know hiring our our music for you know concerts so you know this is our way of giving back you know a little bit and and uplifting as as we have been uplifted so uh, we're happy to be uh, sponsoring that's pretty exciting and you know kachung is a co-host and a lot of the times he either has to join us via zoom or phone because he's actually on tour with the with the band and the cool thing is as our sound man and executive producer sam said we're we're gonna do a little uh segment on our show where in the world is kachung (laughs) and we want to join him and his band and and find out where they're at so when he's on that travel you guys will phone it in right yeah, we'll phone in. and Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah so that's great well, well hey thank you everyone yeah thank yeah. you all for joining us and be well